You're listening to Your Words Unleashed podcast with host Dr. Leslie Wong, helping women scholars master their writing habits and publish a book that matters. Hi, writers. Somehow I've made it to my 40th episode. I wanted to share with you some incredibly touching feedback I received recently by email from a listener who's an associate professor in the United States. She wrote, I discovered your podcast earlier this year when I was feeling especially low about my book publishing trajectory, my academic career, and my mental health, and it really saved me. I would listen to your podcast while hiking on the trails near my house, and now I associate your voice with my most precious and beloved activity, namely hiking. So good thoughts always come to mind when I think of you and your advice. I love hearing feedback from listeners. The feeling is similar to when I would get emails of appreciation from people who had read my research or students who would want to express how much they had learned from my classes. What's funny is that becoming a podcaster is not something I ever seriously considered before I created my coaching business less than two years ago. It blows me away that I've reached this milestone. So this week I want to share with you my reflections about podcasting and the lessons it has for writing. You can find the full transcript of this episode at yourwordsunleashed.com 40. Before I get into those lessons, I want to talk a bit about why I decided to create a podcast at all. So I've always been a huge fan of podcasts. I love listening to stories and learning new things at the same time as doing other more mundane tasks like cooking or driving. Maybe it's also because I'm a music lover and I enjoy auditory experiences. And of course... There's also the intimacy that comes from listening to people talk. There's an emotional connection and a camaraderie you feel with your favorite podcasters as you learn their worldview and hear snippets about their personal lives. But I didn't decide to actually start a podcast until I was working with Rhonda Hess, an amazing coach who helps new coaches build their businesses. She herself has an incredibly successful weekly podcast called Prosperous Coach. And as a side note, You should definitely check it out if you're building your own business or side hustle involving coaching. When Rhonda and I first started working together in 2021, I knew I was getting ready to leave academia. I had a wealth of coaching experience, but didn't have a very specific focus yet. And she helped me figure out my specific niche of coaching scholarly book authors. And she helped me design the six month private coaching package that's on my website. And as part of building a business, I had to choose a primary way to distribute my message to the public. So options included things like blogging, sending out a newsletter, posting YouTube videos. And I chose podcasting, even though it terrified me. I just felt drawn to a medium where I felt like I could truly express myself in my own voice. My mission for the podcast, as in my coaching, has been to peel back the curtain covering so many aspects of the ivory tower and help demystify the book writing and publishing process. I also wanted to give tips and strategies, not just about writing, but also about lifestyle and mindset that I could have used when I was a highly insecure workaholic junior scholar. And because I've now left academia and no longer have a stake in it, I feel like I can be more honest and see the career more objectively than when I was still a professor. And a lot of academics have told me that my journey out of the profession has been a source of inspiration for them. Still, creating a podcast was really hard for me to do. 
and I procrastinated on it more than any other aspect of my business. Looking back, I was totally intimidated by the steep learning curve that comes with doing something involving unfamiliar software and technology. I didn't believe I could learn how to do things like record, edit, upload, and distribute episodes on my own. And I also got into analysis paralysis because there were so many decisions to make. For example, you have to create podcast cover art and decide whether or not to put your own face on it. I decided not to. You have to choose open access theme music. You have to decide if you will do a solo podcast or an interview-based one. You have to figure out how long your episodes will be. Beyond all that, I was also scared of the marketing and visibility piece. I was worried about how I might be judged by my peers or of not having any listeners at all. I had no idea how my overall message would be received. Ultimately, I was paralyzed by fear of the unknown for a good four or five months. And then came the point where I couldn't move forward until I had some podcast episodes ready and I was forced to actually do it. And even then, it probably took me at least 10 episodes to figure out a process and get really comfortable. Fortunately, all of the hard work does pay off. I recently learned that out of over 123,000 active podcasts globally, Your Words Unleashed is in the top 20 to 25% based on downloads. Not bad for something that's geared towards a more specific audience. So with all that said, let's talk about the lessons that podcasting has taught me that can be applied to your scholarly writing projects. So the first lesson my podcast has taught me about writing is the importance of knowing your audience and your message. The most obvious thing about a podcast is that you're making it for other people to consume. And when there's endless options out there competing for attention, you have to know exactly who you're speaking to and how exactly your message is unique. Early in my journey, I read a book called Make Noise, A Creator's Guide to Podcasting and Great Audio Storytelling by Eric Newsom, who started some of NPR's most famous podcasts. And in it, he offers an exercise that asks you to describe your podcast in as much detail as possible in only 10 words. It's like a mission statement. The challenge is to avoid generalities and distinguish it from everything else that's already out there. This is a surprisingly difficult thing to get right because we're so used to describing things in a more abstract way. But when you're given only 10 words to hook an audience member, you need to be much more thoughtful. My short description ended up being 12 words, but it surely conveys the spirit of the work I do as a coach and podcast host. It's the first line you see on my website, which is helping women scholars master their writing habits and publish a book that matters. As simple as it seems, I went through many, many different versions of this statement before landing on this one. And in order to get there, I had to choose my audience. Women scholars, especially those who are working on their first books. Now, do I only work with people who fit this category? Definitely not. But keeping a specific audience in mind helps determine the tone I use, the examples and personal anecdotes I share, and the general content I offer. This lesson clearly applies to scholarly writing as well. How would you describe your book in only 10 words? What is the mission statement that guides your work? 
And who is your audience if we're thinking beyond the small number of experts in your subfield? One thing that's easy for academics to do is to forget that their book is meant to be read and enjoyed by other people. Ideally, a lot of them. Authors who feel disconnected or even cynical about the purpose of their writing have often not spent enough time figuring out who their ideal audience is. I've spoken at length about the importance of having a supportive, interested person in mind when you're writing, as opposed to reviewer two. Imagine if I approached this podcast defensively, out of fear that I would be critiqued. I would speak in a much more formal way. I'd share far fewer of my own opinions and experiences. And I think it would really suck to listen to. So when you're feeling down about your own writing, envision your book connecting with an audience, making them feel seen, transforming them in positive ways. This is a good antidote for the malaise that everyone experiences from time to time when working on a complex long-term project. So the second lesson is progress, not perfection. As I'm very open about, there's a big part of me that's a true perfectionist. And this part tends to rear its ugly head whenever I'm working on something that's meant to be consumed by and can therefore be judged by other people. I used to be a perfectionist when it came to teaching which manifested in spending huge numbers of hours over-preparing my lectures. I was a perfectionist when writing my first book, which resulted in me hoarding my work and not sending it out for feedback until I felt like it was in great shape. So naturally, I was also a perfectionist when it came to this podcast, which led to me resisting learning how to do it until I absolutely had to. My first episodes are actually a little bit embarrassing to me now because I didn't know what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes, in part because I had a hard time listening back to episodes after I edited them. And in fact, after I had released the first few episodes, an acquaintance kindly reached out to let me know that I had cut a few seconds off from one of them. And I was mortified, but I was also touched that she was listening and went out of her way to help me out. So since then, I always listen to my episodes before posting them but I do know there are still some mistakes on certain episodes and I've learned to be okay with that because I'm only human. And I've noticed that many of the children's books I read to my three-year-old have messages like, mistakes are okay, that's how we learn. But for some reason, that message gets lost by the time you're an adult. So I'm trying to embrace mistakes because once I've made one, I pretty much never do it again. And each time I record a new episode, I feel like I learn something new about the process. So how this applies to writing is obvious. At the beginning of a major project, you probably don't actually know what you're doing yet, and that's okay. In fact, it's to be expected. Leaning into the unknown and allowing yourself to learn from the process rather than be completely fixated on the finished product is the key to getting your book written. And this is true regardless of whether you've published a book before or not. The third lesson is that consistency is way more important than inspiration. And by consistency, I don't mean doing things in the exact same way every single week. When I first started this podcast, I envisioned that I would publish short eight to 10 minute episodes on a weekly basis because that's what my business coach did. But I quickly learned I would not be able to keep up with that pace. I wanted to go more in-depth on certain topics and record slightly lengthier episodes. 
which requires additional research and writing time. And I learned through experience that each episode requires about six to eight hours when you factor in the time it takes to write, record, edit, publish, and market it. Life also intervenes. There are weeks when I'm doing a lot of coaching or I'm preparing for a workshop or I'm sick or my child is sick. All of these things compete for time. So normally I publish episodes every other week, but sometimes it's every three weeks. There's a lot of advice for podcasters that says if you're not publishing on the same day every week, you will lose listeners. And I haven't found this to be true at all because it is a long game. It's about doing it consistently and building a body of work I'm proud of over time. This has a clear application to writing. You don't need to be working on your book every day to make progress. And you don't need to feel inspired by your work all the time. Nor should that be something you're shooting for. You just need to be working on it consistently, maybe two to three times per week. With feasible goals and enough accountability, this will move your project forward a lot. What you want to avoid is a pattern of binge writing. This is where you write furiously whenever you have a chunk of free time or inspiration hits you, and then don't write again for months. And of course, there will be weeks or even months when you're not able to touch your writing at all because of life circumstances. I now know to expect that in May and September, I will have a flurry of clients who need to reschedule because there's just too much going on to write. And this is totally normal. But if you find that you struggle to write consistently regardless of circumstances, then you need to re-examine your priorities. Are you spending too much time on teaching and service? Are you starting your day doing hours of emails instead of your own work? Are you trying to write late at night or on weekends in a desperate effort to catch up, thus burning the candle at both ends? Do you have enough sources of accountability, and are they helping you to move forward? If you need some more pointers on how to prioritize your own writing during the semester, re-listen to episode three, Create Bulletproof Boundaries with Your Job. This leads into the fourth lesson from podcasting, which is that you need to commit, commit, commit to your project. Consistency requires commitment. Did you know that 75% of podcasters stop producing episodes after three months and more than 90% quit within six months? There are also estimates that 90% of podcasts don't get beyond their third episode. So by reaching 40 episodes, I've already beaten the odds. My commitment comes from having the right mix of motivations. I've talked in other episodes about how successful authors need to have both internal and external reasons for writing their books. For me, the internal reasons for doing this podcast include wanting to help others feel better, give them strategies to reach their goals, and to shake up the way things are done in the academy. And my external reasons obviously relate to my business. It's the primary way that potential clients get to know me and my coaching style. If you don't like what I say on this podcast, we're probably not going to be a great fit for working together. And if I didn't have this external motivator, it would be extremely difficult for me to continue committing the time and effort to it, no matter how much I love doing it. And I really do love it. So when it comes to writing, you always need to be aware of what's motivating you both inside and out and trying to find a balance between the two. When you have a fire inside to express yourself, 
as well as good, tangible rewards that will come from you doing so, you feel more of a sense of purpose and you're more likely to finish your manuscript. So there you have it, the four major lessons my podcast has taught me about writing. Let me sum them up again quickly. Number one, know your audience and your message. Number two, progress, not perfection. Number three, consistency overrides inspiration. And number four, commit, commit, commit. Thanks again for tuning in, especially those of you who have been with me from the beginning. And if you have any specific topics you'd like me to address in future episodes, don't hesitate to email me at leslie at yourwordsunleashed.com. Take care until next time. Thanks for tuning in to Your Words Unleashed podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other writers or leave a rating and review. To find the full transcript and catch all the latest from me, check out my website, yourwordsunleashed.com. I'll talk to you next time. Happy writing.